Well, welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here with us today. Those of you joining us online, welcome. Uh, my name is Steve Cunningham. I get to be the lead pastor here at Wellhouse, and I uh, am very thankful for that. I have to tell you, um, man, just how awesome it was to be able to serve alongside of so many of you. We had 83 people come out yesterday uh, to serve for a day for good. It was awesome. It was hot. Man, was it hot. But it was really, uh, it was cool the way we got to serve. So it kind of combines it. But man, what a what an awesome opportunity. We look forward to so many more of those things uh, to do together. And I know that Wellhouse has a history of those things, and we continue um, to build on that, and so that's that's really great. We have been going through together over the last many weeks now a series called At War, and the series is really just a section or a segment of, of messages that go together, uh, and they really kind of hit a theme, and our theme for this message series is at war, and the idea is that every single day that we live, we're at war with something for that's battling our mind or battling our heart for the number one position. And the thing that sits at the number one position is the thing that we're devoted to, the thing that we worship. We, we generally don't say worship outside of a church setting, but it's true that we will eventually worship something in our life, and the thing that we worship is called an idol. Again, it's a thing that we don't really talk about outside of a church setting, but it is true that we idolize things in our life. We set them kind of high up on a shelf, and it's the thing that we're the most devoted to. And so we've been talking about that over the last few weeks. And if you've been with us, I'm curious to know, has there been something along the way in the message series that you're like, oh, it's revealed a little something in my life. Are you there? Are you there? Okay, good, good. Uh, because it's certainly been that for me as well as we've been walking through some stuff together. It was like, ouch, man, that really, that really hurts. And I will tell you that today's message uh, has been that for me over the last uh, about month and a half. I kind of been really dreading this sermon today, um, and it's probably because it holds a pretty high idol in my life. And and we defined idol as this is as uh, an idol is anything that that you hope will give you or anything that promises to give you what only God can truly give you. Right? That's what an idol is. How many of you have ever watched, um, oh no, I'm having a, a momentary thing here in my mind. Groundhog Day. There we are. Woo! Just for a second, I thought I was going to be in trouble. You watch Groundhog Day? All right, there we go. Groundhog Day, surprisingly enough, is one of my favorite movies, even though for just a second I forgot what it's called. Groundhog Day is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that movie. Uh, if you've never watched it before, go out, watch it sometime. It is really funny. But the premise of the show is that Bill Murray's character wakes up every day and it's the same day on repeat forever right? And so he begins to learn how to work the system because everything is exactly the same. It happens the same way all the time, every day for the rest of his life, right? That's what, that's kind of the premise of this movie. 
And what starts off as kind of comical because he begins to kind of figure out how to work the system or cheat the system because there's so much certainty there. Over the course of time, the certainty that's there begins to really fade away, right? The, 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 the certainty that he has is really kind of uh, goes in the wrong direction and it becomes boring, it becomes mundane. It becomes the same thing over and over and over again, and he can't stand it anymore. Well, I will tell you that for most of us, if we had a Groundhog Day where it was the same day every day, on and on and on and on and on, we would feel the same way. However, however, there is a certain amount of certainty that you and I really appreciate. There's a certain amount of certainty, in fact, that you and I appreciate so much that we take it for granted. And when that certainty isn't there, it throws our whole world off. How I know this. Here I'm going to point it out to you in a couple of different areas. Have you ever drove through any kind of fast food restaurant and you told the people without looking at the menu, I want a number four? only to find out that number four has changed, and now you're angry. When did they change the menu? You ever been to a restaurant before, right, and all of a sudden they have a new menu, and your thing that you always get there isn't there anymore. Ever been there before? And now you're upset. Now it rocks your world, right? There's a certain amount of certainty that we really enjoy in life. Imagine if every day you woke up new and you woke up to a phone system that you had to figure out every day because it was slightly different than the day before. You would be frustrated. Imagine if every day you woke up and got out of bed, but the floor wasn't the floor. Right, The floor could be a lake one day. It could be you know, a series of tacks and sharp things. It, it could be fuzzy bunnies down there. You're not really sure what's happening when you step out of bed. But you don't ever fear that because in our life we have a certain amount of certainty. But the problem is when we count on something enough and then it's not there anymore, it really throws us off. And in fact, for some of us, certainty becomes an expectation. And this is even more dangerous. For some of us, we want to be really, really certain of what our retirement is going to look like. And so we invest a whole lot of time and energy and resources into making sure that our retirement looks like something that we want it to look like only to find out later or only to see other people later die before they ever get to that point. You've been there before? You've seen people get there before? Because in this life, there's so many things that are uncertain. And yet our mind really loves certainty. Our mind is actually set up, this is, this is kind of science at play in our whole life, that our mind loves certainty. It comes from the limbic system in our brain. And the limbic system is, is really, it's overall kind of attached to our behavior and our way in which we process things at a rapid pace. So when something happens, that kind of fight or flight thing uh, 
in our mind, it, that's what kicks in. That's what helps us go through. When, when, when somebody interacts with us and maybe we become angry or upset or sad or depressed or happy, our limbic system is, is kind of catching in there. And our limbic system is a part of the thing that really loves certainty. And that's why we get upset when things aren't the way they're supposed to be, right? All of a sudden, you've been driving down the road. It's the same road that you're always driving down. But one day, there's a traffic jam out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, you are just, you're beside yourself. Can't believe that that doesn't work that way anymore. One day, you go to put on your favorite pair of pants. It's the, the favorite faithful pair of pants that you think you always look good in, even if everybody else doesn't feel the same way about those favorite pair of pants. You do, and they develop a hole in the knee. And all of a sudden, the certainty of having those pants is gone. Certainty, the quest for certainty, be, can become an idol. And when certainty is an idol, we often sacrifice peace for panic. When certainty is an idol, we often sacrifice peace for panic. When things aren't exactly the way that we want them to go, when we can't count on the future, when we can't count on the things that we feel like we should be able to count on, all of a sudden it throws our life into chaos. All of a sudden we start scrambling for things to try to fill a void that we really want with certainty. Today we're going to look at a, a teaching from Jesus that's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. I'm going to set the stage for you, but you can go ahead and turn over there. Matthew, chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 24. But Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He's kind of blowing the minds of those who are, are around him. He's teaching it what, uh, what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And for a lot of people, it's kind of like daily, you know, we're, we're just trying to appease the gods, whoever the gods are. We're trying to appease this God who seems so far off because we're living in uncertain times. And so he's trying to help them understand what does it mean to live into the kingdom of God right here right now in uncertain times. So he, he begins to teach them about treasures in heaven. And we read a section of this a few weeks ago. And he closes out this section of scripture uh, talking about laying your treasures in heaven. In verse 24, this is what he says. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted. Circle that word, underline that word. We're going to come back to it in a minute. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the, the word here, again, we mentioned this a few weeks ago, is not money, it's mammon. And mammon really means abundance. Mammon is, is all the things that you have gathered with you in life. And here's what I've learned as I've gotten older is I don't know how it happens, but abundance follows you. You've been there before, you bought a house, and you're like, man, this house is huge. Where, where would we ever find room to, and all of a sudden it's like poof, and it's full. You know, you're like, how do we get so much stuff? Right, we have garages that's like, I, don't, I can't even park my car in the garage because I have so much stuff. And we have to buy storage units because our houses and our garages can't hold all the stuff that we have. So we, we wind up getting something else to hold all of our stuff. And Jesus says, there's a problem. 
Because the more stuff you have, the less likely you, you, you're to be clinging to me. And probably you're going to be clinging to the abundance of stuff in your life. I have to tell you, this is true. Years ago, about uh, seven or eight years ago, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Honduras, to Gusagalpa, Honduras. And so we fly in. Those of you who have been to a third world country before, you, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. We fly in and we get to the airport and then we have a little a taxi guy who drives us, you know, through the mountains. And I'm thinking, we're going to die right here. Because if you've ever been to a third world country and you've been in a taxi, you just know it's different, right? It's like there's no rules. You just hang on and you pray. That's it. And so we, we get there, and we spend some time there, and then we go further up into the mountains as we're going to kind of do some work in a village, and then the road stops, and there's no more road anymore. So we get out, and we walk a ways, and then we find this collection of huts. There's this group of children playing. Now, I'm the big white gringo, right? I mean, like, I'm an anomaly up in the mountains, right? The big sweaty guy who's that guy, you know, and... He's probably got candy. And so everybody comes to me. All little kids come to me. And they bring me their toy. Singular. Broken in half. It was half of a motorcycle toy. They hold it up. And they smile. And they want to share their toy with me. It's all they have. See, when we fill our life, we become dependent upon the abundance of things, which makes us feel so secure, which gives us a certain amount of certainty in our life. And Jesus says, listen, it's going to be really hard for you if you surround yourself with all kinds of things, because at a certain point, you're going to think to yourself, I'm not really sure that, that God is good and he's faithful. I get all that, but I don't need him. Look at all the things that I've done. And God said, no, 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 you can't, you can't be devoted to both. You have to be devoted to one. And here's what's amazing, what I found in the mountains of Honduras is sometimes the less you have, the happier you are. Have you found that as Americans, man, we have all kinds of stuff, but if you read social media at all, we're the unhappiest group of people you have ever seen. Isn't that true? We have tons of stuff, and yet we're so uncertain. And we're miserable. So Jesus says, you can't be devoted to both. And then he says in verse 25, therefore, and anytime you see a therefore, you should ask what it's there for. He's going to connect this idea of abundance and being devoted to abundance to what happens in our life, how this actually works itself out in our life. And he says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And so he says, listen, do you want to know what abundance is? What it looks like is, is that you're constantly worrying about all these things that happen in life. 
You're constantly worried about what is this going to look like and how is this going to work itself out? How are we going to be able to afford this and how are we ever going to be able to do this in our life and what is this going to look like next? Have you been there before? Have you asked yourself those questions before? Come on now, church. Don't leave me hanging. There we go. It's not a museum. There you go. Is, he asked this question, is life not more important than, and then fill in the blank there. Now, have you ever gotten so upset? It's like, you know, we, we've had this conversation at our house a lot in the last uh, couple of months about what we're going to do with school. And of course, we move here in October. And so we try to figure out what that looks like, you know, and like losing sleep and all this kind of things. Like Jesus says, is life not more? I mean, isn't there more to life than just where your kids go to school? And of course, our answer to that is, yeah. Now, he's not saying, is it not important at all? Of course, of course it's important. Of course your life is important. Of course, what, what you wear and what you eat and where you go and how you spend your those are important things. But Jesus says, that is not the end all, be all of life. Is it important to save up for retirement? Well, of course it is. But isn't life more than that? Isn't life more than work? Isn't life more than the, the kind of the pay raise? Isn't life more than the figuring out, you know, all the hustle and bustle of things? Is to stop for a minute and ask yourself, isn't there more to life than that? And of course the answer is yes. So he continues on. And he continues on with something that should be a little bit offensive. <laughs> Look at the birds of the air. You're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. I'm trying to juggle family, and I'm trying to juggle work, and I'm trying to juggle finances, and I'm, I got all these things that are kind of consuming me at the time. I've got pressure from every side. I literally don't have a second today, and you want me to stop for just a minute and kind of take a look and, and gaze up and watch the birds of the air. And Jesus says, just for a moment, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, although I have a few birds in my barn. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I want you to ask yourself the question that Jesus asks. I know we have a lot of questions. Some of us have a lot of questions about Jesus and who he is. But the question that he asks is it a valuable question to kind of help us reset things about who God is and if we can trust him. And he says, all right, just ask yourself a simple question here. Birds... They don't, they, they, they don't have 401k, 401k retirement plans. 
They don't sit around all day and they worry about things. They're not worried about, you know, how their kids are going to grow up. Their, their, their kid raising plan is basically, you know, they, they hatch and then they kick them out of the nest and hopefully it flies, right? That's, that's how they parent. He says, your heavenly father takes care of them. So do you think he loves you more than the birds? Say this with me, and maybe, 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 maybe you already believe it, maybe you will. I am more valuable than the birds. I know that sounds crazy. We're going to say it together, but let us sink in. Ready? Here we go. I am more valuable than the birds. That sounds like a crazy statement, right, that crazy people say. But Jesus starts here. Jesus starts here because he says, listen, look at the birds. Look around you. You see how I care for nature? And and these birds don't even care. They're pecking at all kinds of crazy things. They don't care about life, and yet I take care of them, and I love you so much more than that. You have to trust me. He says this, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry about saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Don't go around your life saying, man, I don't know about, is this going to happen? Or what about this? Is this going to happen? Or what about the certainty over here? I need to be certain. I need to feel secure. He says, don't go around saying that. Because, verse 32, he says this, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, or that your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. And he says, listen, those people who, who don't believe in a Father who loves them, those are the things that they worry about. But my children don't have to worry about it. So when the whole rest of the world sees you freaking out because things are uncertain, because the future seems uncertain, because political uh, and, and tension seems uncertain. He says, man, you kind of start to look like you don't trust me. It kind of starts to feel like you are thinking that I'm not in control anymore. We've been on trips before with our kids and, you know, the, We've, we've gone through many different kinds of trips, but Bear, our youngest, who is eight, he'll be nine, he, uh, he definitely has inherited his father's kind of sense of worry. If you know me, then I can worry about, I can worry enough for all of us in this room, right? I mean, this is this how much worry I can generate in my life. Um, and so he, he has that in him. There's always something that he's kind of afraid of. And so we have to face those things together. 
And I remember there was a time where we were kind of walking him and I through a trail, like in a wooded area, and it was starting to get a little dark, and he's holding my hand, you know. And he's like, Dad, we got to go quicker. And he's squeezing my hand a little tighter. Dad, we got to go quicker. Dad, we got to go quicker. We, we need to get back quicker because it's going to get dark, and I don't want to be, and this is making me afraid. I see it through his eyes. But what I wanted to reassure him is there is no way in the world I'm ever going to let anything bad happen to you. I'm your father. And I'm telling you, I don't care if armed bandits jump out, bro. I have you covered. There is nothing that Papa Bear is not going to take care of you for. And this is what Jesus says. You don't have to worry. You, you don't have to live your life in fear and wonder of uncertainty that's going to come because you have a father who loves you more than the birds. And so he's got you. The question is, do we trust him? See, it's not, it's not that he's not there. The question is, do we trust him? Jesus isn't done teaching us. Verse 33, he says this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the other things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Isn't that true? You find more worries the next day than you had the day before. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so as we look at this idea of certainty, begin to wrestle through, well, what does it mean? How do we deal with the idol of certainty, of needing to know, of needing to feel secure, of needing to, to have all of our ducks in a row and things don't seem to measure up the way that, they want, that we want them to? What do we do with that? And what I want to let you know is that you don't need certainty to have clarity. You don't need certainty in your life to have clarity. What do I mean by that? Jesus gives us clarity in this first verse, in verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom and righteousness, and everything else is going to fall in line. Well, what's everything else? God, you don't say anything about cancer. You don't say anything about sickness. You don't say about, uh, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen in my job life or my married life or my children's life. Or, you don't say, he says, listen, if you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, you don't have to worry about the rest of it. That's our clarity. When we fix our clarity on what we're here for, then we can put blinders on the rest of the worry. Because we understand that we can trust a father who loves us. See, it changes the question from what if, what if this happens? What if, what if my world is rocked? What if we don't make it? What, what happens if I lose my job? What happens if I die too early or he dies too early? Or this doesn't happen or my kids don't go to school. What if, what if, what if, too, when we have clarity even if. Man, even if that happens. Even if it doesn't work out that way. I know what my role is. Seek first the kingdom and everything else 
will fall in line. What's the kingdom of God? It's the rule and reign of God in the hearts and lives of you and me. It's when we allow God to rule our lives. Band, if you'll come on up to the stage as we kind of finish out some thoughts. So how do we combat this idea of certainty in our life, of wanting to be sure, to be certain of things? The first thing I think we need to do is decide who's going to get our devotion. Remember, I had you circle that word in, in Matthew as he talks about you can't be devoted to God and the abundance of stuff, so we have to make the decision. Who will we be devoted to? Who will be, uh, we be devoted to? The second thing is this, and this has been a challenge in my life. This came from a mentor of mine a few years ago, and it's really changed uh, the way that I, I live and talk about things. He told me this, to, com to commit to pray about things more than I talk about it or worry about it. To commit to pray about things more than I talk about it or I worry about it. Have you ever found yourself like there's a problem you're going through, right? And you, you talk to a friend about it and you talk to another friend about it. Maybe you talk to your spouse about it. You talk to a parent about it, whatever. And you keep bringing it up over and over again. And the question is that you pray about it as much as you talk about it. The third one is this, to resolve to live one day at a time. To resolve to live one day at a time. That you're going to take today and the worries of today as Jesus said, listen, tomorrow, man, it's going to be full of even more stuff. And you're like, God, could you not say anything a little more comforting than that, right? Is there, is there any way that you could tell me like, hey, tomorrow's going to be better. That would be great. Nope. Tomorrow, same crap, different day, right? I mean, that's what he says. You're like, cool, good, all right. So don't worry about it. Well, how can I not now? You just told me tomorrow might be worse. Just worry about today. Just worry about today. We have tomorrow. Trust me today. Test my faithfulness today. Be secure in my love today. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says this, give us this day our monthly bread. God, give me my annual salary this year. No. He prayed a prayer of the people because the people of the time where Jesus was around, most of the people, over 90% of the Jewish population was so poor they didn't know they were going to survive a day. So he said, give us this day our daily bread. What if, listen to this, just let this convict you for a minute. What if Jesus only blessed you with enough to get through today? Would you still be faithful to him? Get through today. Resolve to live one day at a time in God's goodness. And here's the last thing. Choose to trust God at his word. Choose to trust God at his word. It's amazing the things we choose to trust at their word. My kids, they live, they love YouTube, and they will tell me all kinds of stuff that's like, you know, they learned from YouTube, right? And a couple of, a couple of uh, months ago, one of our 
kids, I'll, I'll remain nameless. They said, do you know that Dwayne Johnson is the most famous person in the whole wide world? I'm going to let that sit in for because some of you in this room are like, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> and I said, I bet that's not true. And they said, no, 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 no. It was on YouTube. Here's the thing. This is crazy, okay? You're going to trust something at its word. You're going to trust a spouse at their word. You're going to trust a friend at their word. You're going to trust the news at their word. You're going to trust some kind of uh, inspirational quote at its word. And you won't question it a bit. So why not trust God at his word? He loves you more than the birds. And they don't have to worry. So neither do you. Francis Chan says this, worry implies that we don't quite trust God as big enough or powerful enough or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our life. That's where worry comes from. Worry comes from that we don't quite trust God as big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our life, but he is. So as we wrestle with this idea of, oh man, what's next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen now? What, what if, what if, what if? We may not have certainty. And I can't promise you what tomorrow will bring other than it's the same crap, different day. But what I can tell you is this, even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the midst of the unknown, even in the midst of I'm not sure what that diagnosis is going to be, or I'm not sure how that relationship is going to turn out, I don't know how that job thing's going to happen, or I don't know what's going to happen with your kids, I don't know if they're going to turn around to see God or not, I don't know any of those things. What I do know is we can have clarity when we can't have certainty, that we can be focused on the kingdom of God through everything else and say, listen, I don't know about the what ifs, but I can tell you about the even ifs, I can tell you even if the worst case scenario happens, I will still be true to my Father in heaven because he loves me more than the birds. And he loves the birds. God, we are so thankful for you we're thankful that you love us more than the birds, more than the grass of the field. God, you, you love us and we don't have to worry about it. That doesn't mean it's not important. God, there's tons of things that are important in this life. But God, you recognize that the more we have, the more worry we have, the more uncertainty we have, the more instability that we feel. And we said, God, you, you tell us that we can't have both. So we need to trust you. So God, help us trust you more. God, help us to live in the abundance of what we have today, knowing that it's enough. And if you strip it all else away, you'll still be good and faithful. And we can still fix our eyes on you. God, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.